This is Multinew Media. Hi there, everyone. Chase Rads here. Multinew Media episode 96. Wow. 96. This is probably going to be one of those, you know, shorter, um, uh, just me going solo type of episodes. And the reason is I just need to spitball for a moment and have a conversation with you that you may or may not need to hear, right? If not, go ahead and tune me out and come back next episode. But I don't want you to push pods just yet. I have value for you today, I think. This isn't just a random musing, but what I am musing about, what started this process is me thinking about the need to do everything. Now, you know that Chris Ayers and I on the show have talked about whether I should or should not have built the multi-new media site, right? Multinewmedia.com. I built it from the ground up. It's not like some, you know, spectacular thing, but we've we've argued on air over this before and his his philosophy was why are you taking the time? Why are you reinventing the wheel and building something from the ground up? Now, my argument has been, and I, I very much stand by this, that I was getting something out of the the equation. But the question I have for you today isn't about multi-new media at all. It isn't about me. It isn't about any of the co-hosts on the show. It's truly about you and where are you holding on to certain projects, certain ideas, certain ways of doing things that you might be better off if you let go. Now, I'm going to use multi-new media as an example, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. But again, remember, I want to I want to paint this clear line as a, uh, you know, a difference between a project, a personal growth thing like I do with multi-new media and a work project, right? If I were building a business from the ground up right now, and you'll probably be hearing about this in the future because uh, the parent company of multi-new media, I am transitioning it, I guess, from uh, instead of being a corporate training business, which surprise, surprise, that's what we've been all along, not multi-new media, but the parent company, uh, transitioning from uh, corporate training into business development and business generation, incubation. Um, Really, the way I'm describing it in the elevator pitch to people is rapid generation and prototyping of business ideas to test for their, um, you know, effectiveness and efficacy on the market. (laughs) Ooh, <laughs> that's a lot, isn't it? But, you know, the idea here is I'm still going to keep separate things, uh, projects versus business. But if I were creating a business, I would never sit down right now and say, okay, I need to build a site from scratch, from the ground up, unless I was building, you know, some type of, of native web service. And even then, even then, let's say you're going to make, you know, the best image gallery that's ever been. Or the best, um, I I don't know, keep going from there, right? Whatever your billion dollar new media idea is, if you're going to build that thing, you're still going to build on top of frameworks and libraries. You're not going to, you know, just go out on your own like I did with the website. Again, unless you're going for personal growth or to build a component of a framework. But again, I'm just using that as an example. But what do we do in our professional lives that we don't let go? I mean, I'm going to give you an example here. I'm actually pulling up my web browser that you can't see behind the scenes because for me, I know search results vary by person. The other day, I I, I was really getting curious about this topic, especially as I started setting back up my blog. You know, Chris Ayers and I have both been talking about that we not only need to get the multi-new media blog back, but we need our own. 
This is a thought that I think a lot of business people have, and you can probably relate to it. You want a blog or you need a blog, but you don't know if you want one or vice versa. You want one and don't know if you need one. So I, I, I got curious on this idea of what is it we should be doing by ourselves? How much, how far down this path should we go? And obviously I'm abstracting out of the programming world now and simply talking about how much of my workflow do I do? Do I do my own marketing? Do I do my own communications, my own public relations? Do I do my own manufacturing? I have seen people struggle with that. Do you do your own manufacturing? Wow. <laughs> you know, you should probably know yes or no if you don't, but but don't worry. I've also struggled with that in the past in some smaller businesses, some craft-based businesses. But if I search, and I did this really in my browser right now as I was talking, I went to Bing.com, my, my preferred search engine. Don't laugh at me. Don't run me out of the room. But I went to Bing, and I typed three little words. I wanted to see what the first results were. The words were doing everything yourself, right? And, and that could be anything. We could be talking about personal hobbies. We could be talking about getting quotes. A lot of times you type something like this in, and quote sites come up. And I find this really interesting that the top result on Bing for me right now is an article from American Express, you know, the, the credit company, that's titled Five Reasons to Stop Doing Everything All by Yourself. Talking about, and by the way, this is a part of their, um, their bit small business credit card blog. Stop doing everything all by yourself. Now, <laughs> We are conditioned, especially in the Western world, maybe even primarily in the United States. Um, I would imagine this is true anywhere there has been a frontier recently. You know, Canada might be another instance. Australia might be another instance. I, we are conditioned to be self-reliant and to do everything ourselves. And we've, we probably grew up in a time where we watched the one or two people in our lives that could do everything they did do everything from plumbing to electrical work to to roofing to computers to to business to everything else that world doesn't exist anymore and we're doing ourselves a massive disservice if we don't get into the thinking of the new world which is not do as little as possible but is play to your strengths don't try to improve your weaknesses outside of your personal time outside of your time off, outside of your continuing education hours or whatever you do in order to regularly and routinely improve yourself. But in your business, in your working time, stop trying to fix your strength, uh, your weaknesses and play to your strengths. This is something that I've struggled with for a very long time. Now, I, I almost want to pick on Chris Ayers a little bit more, but some of the advice he's given me on air has helped. Right, we we um we've gone back and forth about the site. We've gone back and forth about a couple of projects, and he knows me off air as well. And he gets frustrated that I have that perfectionist streak. And how many of you can relate to me on having a perfectionist streak? And a lot of us do. We're in business. That's that's one of the reasons why we're in business. We saw a restaurant and thought how it could be done better. We saw a pair of socks and thought how they could be more comfortable. We saw a computer system and looked at potentials that other people thought we were crazy for believing in. This is why we gravitate towards business. Well, one of the reasons. We believe that we can do better than someone else. One of the problems in that line of thinking is we also have institutionalized 
or maybe that's not even the right word. We have ingrained in us this idea of self-reliance and do it yourself. Your house needs painting. Paint it yourself. Well, <laughs> that's kind of a dumb idea for most of us, isn't it? You know, I we have this idea of self-reliance, as I've been mentioning before, but we take it too far. What do I mean? I, I had a professor, and I don't think I've ever told this story on air, but I tell it to my university students. And I, I had a professor once in undergrad who he talked about, you know, one of his life's dreams was to have a house with a yard, a large yard, and to have beautiful landscaping, right? Not a lot, not not like you'd get at a hotel or a commercial park, just r- typical residential landscaping. But he hated doing the yard. He hated mowing the grass. He hated trimming the bushes. Now, he was a consultant. Not only was he a, uh, a professor, but he was a consultant for airlines. And he would talk about the new world and how, how business people needed to change. He was almost trying to give me and my classmates the philosophy that I'm relaying to you now. He was talking about he can go and mow the yard and trim the bushes and edge the sidewalk and everything else and be miserable for several hours and have capital investment going into all of the equipment that it takes to do these things. Or he could hire someone Now, this is where most of us stop. This is where we come to a screeching halt because we have to understand why so many of us have this self-reliance hang up, why we have this ingrained in us. And for a lot of people, I don't care if you're from the, uh, you know, a developed nation or a developing nation. A lot of us have this because of money. Maybe we didn't have any earlier in our lives or our families didn't have any. Maybe it's because you've constantly been on the pursuit of money rather than using business to pursue your passions and hobbies and letting money be the exchange, what it should be, right? Just the exchange of resource, the quantification for the exchange of resources. So maybe you have a different reason, right? But but the ones that I just described, I think, capture most people. We get this hang up of money and, and it's easy to think, especially when you're running your own business or you're stable in your job and have a side business or you have whatever hustle you have going on. When you are stable, I didn't necessarily say comfortable. You, you, I hope, hopefully you are. I certainly didn't say happy because I could give you $10 billion right now. I can't, but if I could give you $10 billion right now, you'd still want more, right? Because you'd go buy a $9 million, excuse me, a $9 billion yacht or something crazy like that. Come on, we all would. Now, we'd put enough away to be happy and healthy and, and safe, but we'd splurge if we had it. So we can take this idea of, I don't want to pay somebody. Look how expensive it is to get someone to do your yard in some locations. I mean, I live in Florida, so the price has drastically dropped as fewer and fewer people do their own yards in these little, not landscaping businesses, but quite frankly, lawn mowing services have grown up into a professional near semi-professional industry. Right. But in a lot of locations, it can be one, two hundred dollars, sometimes a week. That's what it used to be here. Now it's quite a bit cheaper. Economies of scale and whatnot. So do I want to pay, let's say somebody a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars, depending on the size of your yard and the work you're doing. Do I want to pay somebody a hundred dollars a week to take care of my yard? That's that's four hundred dollars and change a month. 
that's going to be right up there with one of your larger payments, non-business payments. I mean, I hope you're not spending that much in electricity or in water or in something similar. I hope you're not even spending that much on your, you know, your 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 cell phone bill with everybody included. I hope you're not spending that much on your cable bill. Right? So do you want to spend that type of money? And again, economies of scale it can be much cheaper depending on where you live and and the size of your yard. Do you want to spend that money? Or do you want to save some money and do it yourself? Well, not only did we talk about the capital investment that you have to do with with doing your own yard, but my professor, he would talk about this. The people who work on his yard, forget how much it costs overall. Now, that's important, but we're going to temporarily forget. He would say they take an hour to complete the yard, and there are two or three of them working. So that $100, $150, i will call it $100, that $100 is split between several people and the business, really goes to the business and they do the, the, the pay. So each person is doing their own work, getting their own pay. Meanwhile, at the same time, he was making a couple of hundred dollars per hour consulting. <laughs> I mean, the conclusion is natural. And get yourself into your, uh, your home office or go into the actual office and do some consulting and let a couple of other people do your yard much faster, much better, right? Because you're going to do poor work if you don't like doing anything. I loved his example. It made sense to me. I actually bought, he, he wrote a little textbook. It's not even a textbook. It's a little, if, if you've been through a university, um, you know, more than 10 years ago, you're probably familiar with the experience that I'm describing where the professor will write a small little book and they'll make it an additional requirement in, in you know, with the textbook. You've got to buy the textbook and this little book that your instructor wrote. Not the worksheets, not all of that. We all remember going down to the copy store, don't we? <laughs> But this instructor, this this professor, he wrote a little book, and I, I kid you not, I went down to the university bookstore and bought several copies and started giving them away. I have one somewhere on my bookshelf. I should pull it out here and uh, and uh, take a look at it in a moment. But it's 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 that idea of do we do everything ourselves, or do we put the right job in the right people's hands? Now, if we want to be successful business people, we have to learn to do the second thing. I don't care if you're in management. I don't care if you own the business or not. If you want to be a successful professional, you have to learn what needs delegation and how to delegate it, whether you have explicit approval for it or not. Now, I'm not saying go get rid of your most important job function and outsource it to someone else and get fired for it. That's not what I'm saying. But could you use some assistance from someone scheduling your meetings for you? Could you use some assistance in checking your inbox for high-priority messages and being alerted to it at all hours of the day? Can you do some of these things, even if your boss never knows about it, as long as they don't have a contract explicitly preventing it? Can you do this for your business? Now, how this relates back to to multi-new media for me is I was sitting down getting all ready to actually do a different solo episode today. And I pulled up multinewmedia.com and I pulled up a couple of my other resources and I'm getting prepared. I'm getting ready. I'm starting to rehearse and I'm starting to go through everything. You can tell I'm just spitballing here. Sometimes with the solo uh, episodes I rehearse, other times it just happens. And I'm going through all of my, you know, kind of mental notes and I pull up multinewmedia.com. It wasn't working. I mean, the site was working, the front page was working beautifully, but I had just installed an SSL certificate maybe not even a week ago, 
as a part of another project I'm working on. Trust me, I know I keep alluding to these projects. I'll tell you about them in, 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 in due time. They are rolling. I know that one of the reasons that some of you tune in is to hear about the work and the projects that I have going on or Chris Ayers or Christopher Woodward. We promise <laughs> we are coming to you with that. It's just um, it's a little chaotic right now. But I'm on multinewmedia.com and I click on to, um, actually I needed a, an, an episode listing. I needed to see where other things were fitting in, how, how long ago we talked about other topics. And every other page I'd go to, the style sheets, the CSS files just were not working properly. Now, of course, the only change I'd made to the site was the, um, the SSL TLS encryption. So I, I, I knew it had to be that. I must be it must have been calling the style sheets over the HTTP protocol instead of HTTPS, right? Simple fix. So I go in and I fix it. But here's the question. I'm not even sure how long ago I made that change to the security certificate. So how many days, that question right now, how many days has it been since my site has been broken? If I weren't building from the ground up, if I weren't doing this myself, would I have encountered the same issue? Probably not. Now, I know that a lot of people have a large distrust for the work of other people, for the the software that's put out there. There are so many titles, there are so many packages, there are so many applications, it can become confusing. I really experience this firsthand right now. One of the things I'm doing is is working on how I can get university students more involved with WordPress. Now, the university, the rather the degree program that I teach within, has made a big push for this. I'm not; it, it's not on my shoulders. But how to integrate this more into the classroom? How to integrate this more into assignments so that when students leave me in a digital marketing class that heavily focuses on technology, that they leave my course understanding a little bit more of how to work with WordPress and maybe even help their future employers if they're a small business, medium-sized business, and that's what they're deploying. WordPress is running 30% of the internet, excuse me, of the web. (laughs) 30% of the web. And you know the perception of WordPress still is, oh, that piece of crap. That's what people think about WordPress for the most part, I mean, there are, are diehard, loyal WordPress groups. Don't get me wrong. But we need to look at this from a larger perspective, from the business perspective. You know, I've, I've spoken with a couple of web hosts. I've spoken with some of the larger cloud providers. I've spoken with a couple of companies that make software and solutions for hosts and the larger cloud companies. And one of the things that every person in that industry keeps talking to me about, keeps bringing up, telling me I need to look more, uh, look into more, is WordPress. Now, for a lot of us, we look at WordPress and we think of a, you know, ten plus year old technology that needs drastically needs a, a code base rewrite, and is you know, eh, good enough. But it's the market; it's thirty percent of the web. So what? If it's not perfect, so what if we didn't do it ourselves? So what if we could do better? Can we do better in the sense of achieving a higher ROI than using some of these pre-existing tools? Maybe, maybe not. But in my case, I know the answer is no. I've never disagreed with any of my co-hosts on that, even when they're shouting at me. Now, my point though, 
was back on not trusting other people's work. I think of that every time. The whole reason I brought up WordPress was I think of that every time I'm in the plugin store in WordPress. I, I look at the publisher names and I'm like, I don't know who this person is. I've never heard of this company. I've never heard of this person. I've never, this could be someone like me just sitting at the computer typing something that works and, and who knows if they're supporting it. Well, actually in WordPress you do because it tells you how long ago that plugin was updated. I know it's tough. I know you feel like you're letting go of a lot of control, but think about it in, in these terms. The person who's building the WordPress plugin and the people who are building WordPress and the people who are building the competitors, like maybe you're over on Wix or maybe you're on Squarespace, keep listening, keep extrapolating in your mind. All of these people working on all of these tools, for the most part, that's their hobby or their job. They are dedicated to it. They check in every couple of days. They check in every couple of weeks. For some people, there are, or for some companies rather, for some products and services, there are entire teams of people sitting down every single day to make sure that that thing works. Meanwhile, I, I install a security certificate and don't even bother to make sure that the code I hand wrote works. Now that's a that's an oversight on my part. But what if there had been something, some type of change with the server? How long would the site have to be down for me to notice? How long would it take me to fix the problem if I didn't know what had caused the error in the first place? I think just boiling down to a point here, we have to stop with this self-reliance nonsense. The tools that are out there aren't perfect, trust me. Every time I you know, go into some type of website builder, I don't care which one it is, I get horribly unhappy with the results. It takes me, you know, I, I see people spin up, you know, a Wix site or a WordPress site or or an e-commerce store somewhere, and I see them take 10, 20 minutes to do it. And for me, I'm sitting spinning my wheels for days because it's just not right. And I'm having to override all of the CSS and do bad things like use the important tag in CSS. But it's worthwhile. Step back. Look at where your unique value add is. It's probably not... And going and doing everything yourself, running your own marketing, running your own scheduling, running your own manufacturing. Where do you fit into your organization? Now, if you're an employee, you may not get to choose very much, but you can at least choose the path of your career going forward. If you're a small business owner, if you're an executive, or if you're just using business and technology, if you're just listening to this podcast as a part of your personal life, you have a lot of control in those scenarios. Think about it. Where are you best spending your time? Now, I'll leave you with something. I, I'm a big guy. We, we've talked about this before. And I've struggled with weight recently. As, as my daughter was born, I was perfectly fine. I was actually in, in probably the best shape in my adult life or maybe second best, right? Doing really well, going to the gym, lost a bunch of weight. In normal, we'll call it air quotes, normal sizes. Now, on the, the year subsequent, the, the subsequent year, rather, I've gained weight. Now, it's not because of having a little one at home, despite what people think. A lot of it's because of the projects that I've embarked upon. You know, right after she was born, the university I'm at had a couple of people. We had some turnover and a few classes I had to absorb. And then I had my own projects. And then my business was doing X, Y, and Z. And you just keep going and, 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 and. We're all in these situations. And I would look at my work, and like a lot of you, I felt like I was doing nothing but busy work, just checking email, 
putting out fires and moving on to the next day, hoping to stay above water. But you know, when you give up some of that control, when you give up some of that perfectionism, when you give up some of that self-reliance, amazing things happen. So as a big guy, I've always noticed that big and tall clothes, even though I'm kind of borderline of whether I even need them or not anymore, big and tall clothes aren't always the most comfortable. They're not always the most stylish. Sometimes it's just, look, here's something that fits. It's basic. It's generic. Go for it. Now, those selections have gotten a lot bigger. I've noticed as the population here in the United States has gotten a lot, as if I put it bluntly, a lot fatter. It's easier to pick clothing. But then also as somebody who's muscular as well and works out, it can still be difficult because then I'll go in and I'll buy a 2X or a 3X shirt and, well, darn if it's not made for, you know, someone 5'8 with a pot belly rather than 6'1 with a with a big old belly and, and, and muscles, right? So I've had this difficulty and in the back of my mind, I've wanted to start a big and tall line. What I know that I needed was the brand first. The products can come after. I can source those. I can find those. I can have those made. No question. Now, it'll take some time. But I kept getting hung up on getting the brand established. I was pinning it on a character, right? Let's let's do that. I'm pinning it on a character like a lot of businesses do. Life insurance uses the, you know, the Peanuts characters to sell life insurance. Disney is, I mean, synonymous with Mickey Mouse. So I'm using a character to build this brand that's going to take me several years to build. And I'm struggling and struggling and struggling. And finally, I say, you know what? On on, um, some particular Sunday, and it was a very, very specific one. I shouldn't say some particular, make you think it's random. On a very specific day, I was going to sit down and digitize my character and create him. I didn't do it. I procrastinated. My perfectionism led me to procrastination. I found any excuse to not do the thing I needed to be doing because I was trying to do it all. You heard about this a couple of episodes ago because Chris and I were talking about freelance markets and I wasn't happy with some of the ones that I was finding. I hope I put that in the episode. Now I'm questioning whether I did or not. But either way, it happened. Now I used Chris's suggestions And I found a different freelance market. I want to tell you this story in conclusion. When I gave up doing everything, I went over. I live in Central Florida. I work in Central Florida. I love it here. I went over to Walt Disney World, spent the day at a theme park while messaging back and forth with a graphic designer in Michigan. We must have gone through 10, 15, whatever iterations Back and forth, long text, images coming, flying back and forth. Every time I'm off of a ride, every time I'm going into a restaurant, every time I'm out of the restroom, just nonstop doing this. Or so it felt. By the end of the day, or the end of the night rather, almost near midnight, I had the design. I had the design, the thing that was in my mind's eye, the thing that I had procrastinated the week before. I had all day to sit down and do it, and I didn't do it. Because it wasn't for me to do. Maybe I'm okay at the work. But I wasn't the right person to do it. And I knew it. Now it cost just a couple hundred dollars. That's it. A couple hundred dollars. Not spending a couple of hundred dollars on an asset that I should be able to monetize for multiples of that. Even if the business isn't successful in the long run. 
I spent time with my family, spent a couple hundred dollars, and let someone who enjoyed the work more have it. Think about that. Somebody, the thing you're doing right now and don't want to do or shouldn't be doing or are only doing to save a little bit of money that's probably inconsequential to you in the long run anyway or is preventing you from being able to make the money to make that sum inconsequential, that thing you're not doing. And I'm not preaching to you because this is something I've had to learn about myself. It's because I'm also learning it about myself, but I see it with every student I have, whether we're talking, you know, corporate training for adults already well into their career, sometimes 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, but also with students at the university who are 20, 30, maybe 40 years old and struggling. We all struggle with this. So my conclusion, stop doing everything by yourself. We need to delegate work out as business people, as managers, as leaders in the 21st century. You have to think, what is it I can do? What is it I want to do? What is the place that I provide the most value? And for the rest, find the tools, find the services, find the people to help get it done. Don't go mow your yard if you hate it. Find a way to offset the cost, maybe to even make more money than mowing your yard, like my professor did with consulting. Find a way to spend more time with your family rather than doing a graphic design project. Find a way to, instead of hating housework, to be able to sit in your home office and allow someone else to clean. It's a little bit harder to translate these things to work. How do we convince our employers to get us help? Well, again, as long as you feel comfortable and it won't jeopardize your job, there are virtual assistants available out in the world. VAs, you can find them all over the planet, including here in the United States. People who will sort your email for you. People who will screen your calls if you want them to. Again, you have to determine what you can get away with, what's useful for you, what's worth spending the money on, but that's the hang-up. We have to understand that if money's our primary concern, we can make more money by focusing in the right areas. If money's are not, not our primary concern, maybe it's just this need for rugged self-reliance. Look how vulnerable a person becomes when they have to do everything themselves. Well... It's hard to find, it's hard to look and do that because we don't have many people who exemplify a case study in success who have truly done everything themselves, do we? And that is something I think we can all think about. Again, I'm Chase Raz. This is Multi New Media, episode 96. We'll be back and the good news is it won't be me ranting, but I really, really do believe that these episodes sometimes resonate with a certain key portion of our audience. So please reach out to me. Let me know if this is valuable to you or not. If not, I'll stop doing them. But if so, I'll continue putting these in every once in a while. And uh, please, now that I have multinewmedia.com working again, please go there, check out the episode 96 page, leave me some comments at the bottom, or just email me feedback at multinewmedia.com. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.